first time, this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed is being put together using a unique computer called the MP4 Hameltron. It will allow... Oh dear, it seems to have crashed before things got interesting. Again. Hello, this is Gareth Jones on Speed, a programme which spends time considering the Mercury Music Prize, but perhaps not in a way that you might expect. With me to discuss this, Zog. Hello. And Richard Porter. Hello. Richard, the winner of the Mercury Music Prize this year, XX. The XX. The XX. The widely tipped XX. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. the widely tipped XX to give them their proper and full <laughs> correct title, whom, as I was just explaining, I, I didn't meet, but I saw the, the lead singer of said the widely tipped XX in Shoreditch the other day. I was in a taxi and there she was, about three foot from my face. I thought, my God, I'm hip for a moment, which I haven't thought since 1985, quite frankly. But your belief in XX is, is, is car related, Richard. Well, mind. I just think that there should be more bands that take their names from the development codes of. Austin Rover products from the 1980s. Exactly. The XX, of course, became yeah. the Rover 800. And uh, if mm-hmm. you're a, a higher frequency of geekery, and I do believe we are, mm-hmm. XX was also briefly the code name for the Aston Martin DB7. Was well, it? Uh, it's completely well. unrelated to the Rover 800. Yeah. Um, but obviously related to the Jaguar XJS. And, right. And, same, part, um, same part. Yeah. Modular. Sort of, yeah. Well, not modular. No, thing. modular would be to imply it was some kind of terribly modern design. Yeah. They took a lovely Lausch old but rather dated coupe from the 70s, and Jaguar hoped to give it a quick tickle to make it last a bit longer. Ford said, tell you what, you can have a few more money, quids and you can do it properly, which became the XK8. Still right. an XJS underneath, yeah, but yeah, more yeah. bits are different. Yeah. The halfway house, stashed in a cupboard, and Aston Martin, what we could do with that, and Jaguar, well, you can have this, it's called um, uh, uh, Project XX, and they gave it to them, and that certainly became the DB7. DB7 yeah, yeah. And now, of course, it's become a Mercury-winning band as That's well. Amazing. It's amazing what you can do with these old platforms. And I was just thinking that, you know, Rover 800 could be one of the sort of reassuringly nostalgic names for a band, like Mumford & Sons. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a butcher, doesn't it, Mumford & Sons? Yeah, it, it just pushed my finger in the ear, Aaron sweater button, yeah. in a really unpleasant way. I just couldn't, no, couldn't, couldn't get over that. Imagine an episode of John Peel where the names of the bands were just cars or projects. That was Seo Penza. Not sure where they're from. Uh, wasn't a letter in the envelope. Or indeed, any records or CDs. So, uh, if you are them, please don't get in touch again. So, uh, welcome to the programme. Uh, we've got quite a treat this evening with a pair of sessions. Firstly, straight from Detroit, is the plastic sound of Pontiac Fiero. And later, uh, for those of you who enjoy a bit of uh, French soul, a couple of tracks from the Renault 5. Also, before midnight tonight, I'll be talking to the latest signing from VAG Records. Uh, it's a chap called Bugatti Veyron. But first, one from the archives. It's uh, something I found recently on Disc. for those of you who remember those. Uh, it's from back in 1981, as far as the label can make out. Also seems to contain the word mincemeat. Not entirely sure why. Uh, anyway, this is a band that had its origins in the Vauxhall Chevettes, if you remember those. But this... Is I Suzu Piazza? Hot as a 
Oh, no, that's the... No idea what that was. Uh, bear with me. It's, uh... This is Radio Butter. God, no. Well, no, that's not it either. Um, I, I do apologise. Here we go. It... No. Sorry. Step petrol! We got a joke on speed! Every now and again on this show, we get a chance to talk about some of the cars that we've been driving. You know what? I've been driving recently, a big old Land Rover Discovery. Zog and I shared some time in a Peugeot... 3008. Yeah. That's right. And also that lovely Lotus Evora, which you've seen me do a little bit of video of, mm-hmm. I hope. We've seen it. I'm going to talk about one of those cars in a minute. And Zog, we're going to talk about your car. Yeah, we are. But Richard, you've bought yourself a new old car, haven't you? Yes, I have, yes. Not a very old car. Just uh, sort of half a generation ago. It's 11 years old, but in many is ways... It 11 years it's 11 years old? My actual car is 11 years old. Wow. But it's a design that has its roots in the 70s, I suppose, yeah. at its heart. Yeah. And inspired by the car which Jaro himself, in my opinion, the greatest car designer of all time, mm-hmm. I love love all his work mm-hmm. even the dull stuff I love it even the uh, ooh, what, 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 even the updated uh, Ital ah well it's, 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 oh, I'm glad you asked me that Mr Jones that's a common misconception he didn't design that Harris Mann who did uh, you know the TR7 and the Princess and, and lots of other 70s sort of BL stuff that will I think he's becoming recognised as actually quite avant-garde yeah. uh, but it Harris was, Mann yeah. did in did a vaguely the, horrible way in a va- well yeah. you know you say that but you see a, you see a princess particularly with the sort of yeah, quad yeah. headlights and the without the chromey Wolseley grill on it and and you see one in the right colour on the right wheels and you know if it had been a Citroen or an Alfa Romeo I think people would have gone Mm. wow Mm. that was why the 70s was actually quite a progressive decade because it was British Leyland because it was a bit of a laughing stock people kind of go look at that comedy wedge of cheese car but the TR7 Mm, well, you know, I mean, that's not a pretty car, except the convertible actually sort of is very wedgy. Well, yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I think yeah, the Tesla convertible is dated much better than it's uh, just that, that awful turret roof. The thing is, Harris Mann did also on, do the Morris Itel, but then, as is always the way with car engineering, you can't just take the clay model and then take some moulds off it and bung it down the production line you have to do the production engineering the way they actually work out how all the bits are going to go together that's what Giugiaro and Ital Design did they did the production engineering on Harris Mann's design for the facelift and then BL went aye aye if we called it the Ital and pretended Giugiaro did it it might make us look cool and unfortunately it didn't because it was the Morris Ital and it's one of the worst cars ever made yeah. But I still but love Shishara. Not Shishara. a bad idea. Not yes. a bad idea. Not I, a bad idea. I still love Shishara. I want the Columbus. I want to own a Columbus. Oh, Do you Columbus. Remember concept, yeah, yeah. concept the Columbus. It's mad. It, look, it, Big. Was that the double decker? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit like the nearest thing we've actually got to it on the road, don't laugh, is the Isuzu uh, Rodius. The Sanyong Rodius. This is, sorry, yes. it's not Which has got a weird sort of double deck look yeah. to it. It's the nearest thing, but I love that Columbus. Look up the Columbus uh, concept, the Shishara concept. But as I was saying before we went horribly mm. off topic, Shishara reckoned that one of the beautiful if not the most beautiful car ever made was the Jag XJ6 Series 3 mm. right and your Jag which is an X it's not an SK40 what was the generation beyond that what do they call it XX <laughs> you're making me nerd out so much today. do it you know though don't you this is it's codenamed uh, it is uh, for Jaguar people who know these things it's an X308 so it's essentially right. 
It's that it's a, it's the nineties one where they made it all curvy. It was originally called the X three hundred, but it still mm. had a six cylinder engine. They updated it again. Mm. They gave it the V eight set of the XK sports car. This is when Ford had tenure and they went Ford back were well to well in there. Yeah, they said so. to heck with your XJ forty squareness. Yeah. Let's make it look like the old series three, the car which Shijaro said was the most beautiful ever. Yeah. Your car is really lovely, and you've got a kick ass engine in it, brother. Yeah. So it's the XJR. So it has the four liter V eight with a supercharger on it. Um, it's I do like superchargers. Yeah. No, it's, no, no, it's, no, 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 you don't. We like superchargers. Yeah. You like superchargers because superchargers were hip and cool in the 1930s. <laughs> That's why you like them. You like Audi and Mercedes superchargers. That's what you like of the old racing cars of the 1930s. I do, I do particularly yeah. like a Mercedes yeah. supercharger. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about that. I like superchargers because I think that it's a far more linear solution than the, the turbocharger. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, like that supercharged Exige and uh, Elise I drove were two of the most beautifully linear power delivered cars I've ever driven so I like superchargers hmm. I didn't know it had a supercharger oh it's got a supercharger right? yeah yeah you're not really aware of it and of course that's one of the nice things there's no sort of step up in power delivery and exactly yeah lovely I've always wanted a Jag XJ and ever since I was a kid and my parents had a solicitor who had a Jag XJ and for a while I really wanted to be a lawyer when I was little. Not, so you can have not one. because, yeah, not because I had yeah. any particular desire to see justice done or, or immerse <laughs> myself in, you know, the mechanisms of the, the legal system in this country, but just because I wanted a Jag XJ. Um, happily, I then realised I was too thick to be a lawyer yeah. and went back to wanting to write about cars instead. But I've always liked those big Jags. And so you got a Fiat Panda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. So no, I've got a Fiat Panda in my mind, but yeah. thankfully now I've actually been able to manifest my once in a real Jaguar. How many more have you got in it, Mike? Well, that's the thing. It was a bit of a find in this respect because it's 11 years old and it had, when I bought it, just under 32,000 miles on the clock. Mm. So a properly low-mileage car. Mm. It even, and I've had this checked by a friend of mine whose dad had one back in the late 90s. It even smells new. He, he got in it and he went, oh, my God, this smells like my dad's old car when we picked it up from the garage. It does. It has a, it has a sort of certain interesting factory sort of smell to it there is a bit of a science to this smell of new car thing yeah yeah you know, they, they do actually car companies do research what yeah. chemicals to spray into a car or to treat yeah. things with in order to give them that new car smell there is because i think that i could get into almost any new car and be able to tell you who made it uh-huh i think although i don't know just smells smell. a funny one just it's hard I... to have a memory of smell but at the same time no 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 no, 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 no. olfactory stimulation of the no, memory no, sorry. The, yeah yeah beg yeah. your pardon well what i mean is, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa okay sorry i was confusing smell with pain i meant to have a memory of pain i think no. you touched a nerve no i did well that's, yeah but you won't remember it because you can't have a memory of pain. but no, no no sorry what i meant was i think it's hard to order your memories of smell i think smell often reminds you of something and it's hard to base unless it's very contextualized yeah it's not. It's not a very. Um, you know, you can. I, I sometimes. So, I, you yeah, walk past someone in the street and they're wearing a distinctive perfume or aftershave, and you go, "Oh, that's weird. That reminds me of someone. Who is it? Who is it?" And if it's unless it's somebody, if, you know, if it's you your, your wife or girlfriend, somebody you had a. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. But if it's if it's just someone you sort of you know vaguely have a meeting with every so often, you kind of go, oh, why, why, "Why do I know that smell? Why do I know that smell?" I reckon. I could do it, I, I swear. Do you remember You Bet, that program? Yes, oh, do. Matthew Kelly, oh, kiss my big lovely beard. And, uh, sorry, <laughs> that's something I did once. And, uh, I think he divorced her, didn't he? <laughs> you bet, you know, they'd have, that's oh, why. and we've got Gareth Jones on, and he, we're going to blindfold him, we're yeah. going to put him in three cars of the late 1960s, early 1970s, mm. and he's going to say whether they're Ford, 
BMC yeah. or General Motors from the smell of the glue and the vinyl inside. Yes. I swear, I, I swear I could do it. Yeah. It's ringing yeah. a rather horrible cracked bell in my head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I swear. Right now, I think um, uh, so Peugeot's and Citroën sm- smell the same because they come from the same thing. Yeah. I did a load of research into this a while ago, and there are a number of reasons. And Zog's right; it is some of the, you know sometimes there's very specific chemicals that they try and use in the interior to create uh, they want a pleasant smell but ideally they actually want no smell because then they can treat it as a blank canvas and unfortunately it's almost impossible Mm. because plastic smell Mm. um, leather leather smells smells, but you know it's heavily treated in modern cars so it's not necessarily a nice old rich smell of an old Bentley (laughs) they do all this I got so much research on this that um, I didn't know what to do with it because it was too much to write in a column but anyway my Jag smells like a new Jag from (laughs) ten years ago or so (laughs) unless you own a Fiat Multipler. You get inside it, you go, go, can you smell glass? (laughs) (laughs) And here we are, madam, the 2011 Honda Jazz. Oh, lovely interior. What's that smell? Uh, Nothing, it's perfectly normal. Why not take the driver's seat? Thank you. That reminds me, I must visit my grandmother in the home. Richard's changed his car recently. The Lexus is now painted orange and masquerading as the general from uh, the Dukes of Hazzard, isn't it? The general leaks as uh, it's called (laughs) by a guy called Phil, who bought it off me for not much money for one of these banger alley things. And, uh, yeah, he's just been to Rome and back in it. Great. Without hitch. He was apparently, so I heard from one of the other participants on the rally, quite smug during it because the air conditioning on that Lexus actually worked really well. <laughs> and it was really <laughs> hot driving all the way down through France and, and Italy. And, and uh, everyone else had paid 150 quid for, you know, a sort of moderately scruffy Rover 214 or a Ford Escort <laughs> or something like that. Didn't even come with air conditioning in the first place. Uh, and Phil was getting out of the windows of the Lexus, I should add, going, oh, nice and cool in there. So, yeah, Lexus has long gone, and, well, and now... Now replaced by a nice big Jag, of which we're going to hear lots about on this programme from time to time. Yeah, I'll keep you updated yeah. on it. I mean, hopefully there won't be much to report, except it's ongoing loveliness, but it's a magnificent thing. Uh, we'll have to all go out for a trip in it, because I know we, like, I, yeah. I, I came around in it the other week, but, yeah, we'll have to take a run out in it. It's, it's lovely. I can look forward to that, yeah. Talking about changing cars, you know my Sora, it's time for me to move the Sora on. I'm considering many cars to replace it. I'm considering an S-Max. I'm considering... A Mercedes R-Class, which you know I love, mm-hmm. and I'm probably the only man in the world, but I do love that car. Hey, they've got to be cheap, surely, second-hand. Yeah, they've got to be get, there's a lot of car for your money there. Yeah, yeah and I like that idea. Because uh, no one except you wants one. Exactly. That's fine. You That's know you're gonna, car. You're, this show will go online, and then you mm. will wake up to... Well, hang on, how many R-Classes have they sold? Four. So you're going to wake up to four emails from people going, do you want mine? Because I don't anymore. <laughs> oh, right. You might even get a trade offer for your, for your Lexus, for your, your Sora. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other car I'm considering is the Peugeot 5008, which is one of the few cars that sort of approaches the S-Max in terms of what it does. Right, but I couldn't get on my hands. I tried to get my hands on a 5008 to go to Le Mans this year. It turned out to be a 3008. So if the S-Max is the 5008, then the C Max is the three thousand eight. Do you know what I mean? Three thousand eight is the C Max. Yeah, is is the in terms of size. You're saying it's smaller. Yeah, it's smaller. Same built on the same platform. It's two thousand smaller. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Two thousand things smaller. Yes. And whilst I think the 
5008 looks kind of sturdy and quite butch and, and handsome. I do think that the 3008 looks like it's got learning difficulties, which a number of Peugeots do look a bit like it's that these an, days. It's basically an awful-looking car. I don't think it's awful. Oh, the front end. Awful. The front end looks it's like it's got learning difficulties. It looks like something from Wallace and Gromit, this sort of expression, you know. But it also, to me, everything is wrong with it. I just really? think the detailing is not quite right, and the wheelbase looks too short. I, but it, it might look too short, but I think, because I just spent another couple of weeks in France driving around this Land Rover, hmm. and there are tens of thousands, literally, of 3008s. They were everywhere. Really? And they all seem to be able to manoeuvre in the city very nicely with their short wheelbase. Function follows uh, form. Yeah, I mean, it's not oh, beautiful. No, I'm not having that. I just think that the stylists weren't paying attention to the engineers <laughs> when they gave them the briefing on the package. It's, uh, Actually, I don't, I don't I, know. I think it'd be um, a bit harsher. I mean, because briefly, my, my take on, on, on the look of it is that it's certainly... By no stretch of the imagination, the most beautiful car out there. It's not a great looker, but mm. it's tidy. It, it looks basically like so many other of those kinds of versatile family vehicles. I think mm. you know. It's, yeah, it's in that I, range of being. You know, yeah. It, it's not a small car. It's not enormous. To me, I think a, a fairly generic look to it. You drove it. Yeah, you drove yeah, it around and, France and rather liked it, although. I'd say it was a very limited driving experience in, in almost all of the driving I did was on the motorway. So, you know, we didn't really have much of a chance to try it on different road services and in and out of town. Cruise control I, I can work. certainly say, yeah, well, the cruise control worked fine <laughs> and was ready to work out. And this is a very strong point in its favour, I thought, very small thing. But, yeah, when, when I had my hands on the wheel on the motorway and thought, oh, let's try this cruise control, let's see if we can work out how to turn this on, mm. you know, without having to look at the manual and after only after a, a couple of pressing the wrong thing or pressing the right thing for the wrong amount of time or whatever, had it figured out and it's all working. So, yes, it was a great little vehicle for the Le Mans trip also because of the space and because of that opening two ways back worked out nicely. It's um, got a drawback, though. It's got, uh, it it's makes got some a... sick rush into your mouth every time you see it. Oh, it? no! <laughs> no, 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 I'm no. playing the devil's yeah. advocate. The devil's advocate. I'm drinking the, the devil's, devil's advocate. advocate. Oh, that's strong. Mm, it's a bit hot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it has got a drawback, though. It does, like a lot of cars, have a tailgate as opposed to a lift-up boot like an estate car. It's more of a station wagon drop down and lift up a split yeah it's like a, a split, range yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But my dad had a real problem with those. We always had Ford Cortina estates. We had all the models of Ford Cortina estates. Mm. But it was interrupted once by a Simca 1301 station wagon, which had a drop-down back. Well, lovely, right? Dad thought this was a great idea. He had a TV shop, and he would hump TVs into the back of the car. We repaired yeah. and sold mm. TVs, right? That car gave Dad a slip disc because once you've got it on the uh, uh, yes, on yeah. the the platform, you then got to push it further than if you could actually get over the lip of the car. So whilst the tailgate sounds like the perfect loading device, it just is. Well, I think a tailgate is a good thing. I'm going to argue for the tailgate because lifting difficulties aside, and the tailgate isn't right for everybody all the time. But there are certain things. Let's say you're going diving. Let's say you've got your gear in the back of the car. Mm-hmm. Tailgate <laughs> down is a perfect thing to sit on to put sit your, yeah, put, yeah. Put your yeah, yeah. dry suit, yeah. your wetsuit on and off. Yeah, right. That's but just taking your muddy boots, all that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. does the Land Rover Discovery not go some way to mitigating this by having the 
fold-down bit with a bit that is scooped in so you can get closer exactly. to the back of the thing, which brings us, I suppose, onto the fact that you've been driving and discovering. It, that was that exactly was what I was about seamless. to say. Seamless. Seamless. I've always seamless. wondered, looking at the back of the Discovery, the tailgate, which has the left-hand side higher than the right-hand side, it's got a notch cut into it. Why do they do that other than a styling thing somewhere to stick the, the wheel on the back? Then you fold it down and you realise, ah, that critical half-length of the tailgate... You can now reach into the back of the car because on the 3008, do you realise what we were doing? To get stuff out of the back of the car, we'd fold down the tailgate, we'd go, oh, I can't reach. I use the back door. And we were accessing stuff from the back doors rather than the tailgate of the car all the time. But it did have this really lovely almost Jerry Anderson Thunderbirds thing as you fold the tailgate down bits of things happening and sliding mm. it's a bit like watching the back of one of those vehicles that being converted for people who use wheelchairs getting into there's a lot of stuff folding on and going and I kind of like that about it but the tailgate I'd always go for a lift up tailgate the discovery solution was really spot on mm. that's the answer that was an unbelievable car by the way but I won't knock the 3008 I think horses for courses that car gave us fab economy. That car gave us plenty of room, apart from the rubbish tailgate. Short wheelbase, it was manoeuvrable in tight situations and stuff. That's what most people want. Most people do not need the kind of ability, the breadth of capability, as Land Rover themselves say, that something like a Discovery offers. So I'm a big fan of the 3008. I think it's dead right. Sorry, but I just wanted to, to say the, the one thing that I would really criticise on the 3008 and I don't think it's the only car on the road at the moment that has this feature it's, it's the first time I'd driven a car with this feature and I hated it. An electronic automatic parking brake. So to describe this for anybody that hasn't come across it before you don't have a handbrake uh, lever instead you have an automatic electronic brake that applies itself when you come to a stop and that releases when you pull away. Now, I've got two problems with this. First of all, there was the embarrassing five minutes when I was sitting there in the car trying to pull away and expecting the brake to release and it not releasing. We were in reverse and you didn't know how much throttle to well, give it. You hadn't driven the car before. Exactly, yeah. I mean, this just, is something that happens it was, I just wasn't, I wasn't getting cars. quite enough gas. And then it's as yeah. simple as that. There were those embarrassing few minutes. But beyond that, there shouldn't be anything in the drivetrain in the important mechanical bits of your car that you can't easily override with something manual, something mechanical. Mm. I don't quite trust the electronics of a vehicle to work well enough enough of the time that I'm going to have to rely on an electronic parking brake. Hmm. No, it's is fair that, enough. There's something built into those electronic parking brakes, by law, I think, in fact. Uh, would they have to have an emergency function built in. An override. Uh, well, no, so uh, but this is in case your, uh, I don't know, the brake Locked pedal on. falls off or has a grapefruit jammed under or something like that. The logic being, you know, you could ease the car to a halt on the handbrake. Ah. Actually, with a conventional mechanical handbrake, that would be quite dodgy because it would just lock up the back wheels unless you're very sensitive. <laughs> but with an electronic handbrake, I'm not. if you've got a car that's got an electronic handbrake, um, feel free to try this, but don't tell um, anyone that we told you to do it because you might get <laughs> rear-ended. What it does, if you hold the lever up while you're moving along or hold the button pushed in if you have something like a VW Passat where it's just a push button, for long enough, the car will do a full-on emergency ABS-triggering braking stop. Really? Yes. It will pull you tight in your seatbelt and make your eyeballs pop out. Please, just from the legal point of view, please Don't check do in it. your handbook that on a this quiet is the case. Road. Yeah, well, I mean, no. yes. Please uh, check that your car does have this before you attempt I've it. I've done it in a BMW 7 
Series, a VW Passat, and a, 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 I think a Jaguar S-Type as well, and it worked in all of those. Violet, get the lawyers on the phone. I think we're going to need them. I think we're just going to... Just don't do anything stupid. Can I stupid. just use the Ferrari defence? I am not telling anyone to do anything. I am presenting you yeah. with some information. information. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed with Richard Porter and his lovely new Jag. Goodbye. Me and our... Corporate. 2008. Yeah, nice yeah. and economically it was too, yeah. And Chuck, we promised at the top of the show we were going to talk about your car. You better explain. Uh, yeah, well, I've got a little list, as uh, someone wants. I have a list of all the crap I removed from the car the last time I gave it a good old clear out. And yeah, we thought we might just uh, finish the show by putting that list to music. Not a bad idea. Yeah. Say goodbye, Richard. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Zog. Goodbye. I was Gareth. See ya. Here is the list of stuff found in the back of Zog's 944. Okay. Map of Northern France and Belgium. Um, two A to Z London atlases. Both missing all of the pages required to navigate North or West London. One mummified apple core. Sorted partial pages from A to Z, some heavily stained with coffee. One broken aftermarket cup holder. Two flyers for fetish clubs in central London. Don't know where those came from. Leaflet about places to visit in Dorset. Two pairs of sunglasses, slightly broken. A third of a packet of pasta shapes, mouldy, under passenger side car. Kebabs. One pot strawberry yogurt, sell by date six months past, under driver's seat. Two parking tickets, unpaid. One cassette tape of Introducing by DJ Shadow. Seven inch off cutter radiator hose. 37 assorted used parking scratch cards and sticky tickets for Brent, Hackney, Fulham, Westminster. Set of dinosaur stickers free with the Saturday Guardian. One ski glove. One pair seized and rusty pliers. Four paper coffee cups containing dregs of latte in various stages of decomposition. Set of jump leaks. Incomplete. One British Sausage Council promotional watch. Cheap quarter inch drive socket set broken.
four months of bank statements that I've been looking for for the last three months. One UK atlas missing the page for South East England. Packet of latex gloves empty. Two tire pressure gauges. One electric tire pump. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, or follow us on Twitter, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones!